is as never before. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we are worshipped. Turn to some beside you and welcome them in the name of the Lord. Please take us in the heavenly places. Well, this is... I don't expect uh, too many people in this morning service. I did it to fulfill our righteousness. Because our main operation today is in the cathedral. This has been the best convention we ever had for the, for the youths. Incredible week. That is full of manifestation, impartation, and, you know, excitement. Every year we are going higher and higher and higher. We are going higher and higher and higher. This week we have covered, in, you know, in the youth conference, very extensive um, revelations from God. And it was, I think I would say that uh, it was, it, it, the, we had the cream on the top yesterday when we had 100 and how many youths? 113 youths we went together to where do you take me to eh grimstead uh, yes yeah, somewhere around the um, gatwick and two coach coaches full and um, we had uh, the whole day together competition i was in one of the group our mommy was in the opposite group and we had uh, other groups, and um, we had various competitions, and then we ate together. We had time, personal time with the youths, which we can't have in church, because we divide ourselves into two. The girls separate, the boys separate. Mommy went and spoke with the boy, with the girls when I was talking with the boys, and then we'll exchange. And so that they can ask questions. And they ask us very, very sensible questions. And, um, you know, mommy got to know many youths in the church that she doesn't, she doesn't know them. It really, I was amazed. She was asking some youths that, uh, are you a visitor? And these youths have been in church for three years and stuff like that. I know them because I walk around in the church, you know, when I minister. You, you will not know many of them when you see them. You will question some of them whether they are just coming for the first time. But they have been in church for a long time. Some of them are recent and some of them came this week. Youths who came to CFT this week were in that meeting. It is a meeting that you can never express and it's next to none. Because when I preach to you, preach in church, you are only left with what you understand. But when I sit among the people just casually and we are talking, that is where you really get deep into the issues of life. Some of them I ate with them and on the table is discussion right through. 
They were asking questions, telling me what the views are and stuff, which really is next to none. Next year, I expect over 200 youths. Really, it's becoming an international thing now because we have all the youths from, from, uh, uh, from Ireland who were there. I met some youths there who, uh, you know, came all the way from Manchester because their sister is a member of the choir. And uh, it was yesterday I knew that the parents of that sister does, do not attend this church because they live in Manchester. She came to, to London for university. She had been with us for the period of our university. And yesterday, half, the whole of her sisters came. It was very, very interesting. We had, I tell you, I'm very pleased with God. This very week, very, very pleased with God. And on Friday, it was an impartation to the young ones. When I say young ones from 36 downward to 12, God visited us. And I'm sure that on Friday, some adults who came got hit by the power of God. It was tremendous. If you missed it, next time, don't make a mistake of such. Because when we say youth, I don't know what your age are, but to me, you are a youth, whatever age you are. Because when you compare your existence on earth with the Lord God himself, who has been for eternity, how old are you? Even if you are 150, you are a youth. Really, the Bible classifies 100 years as youth because it says that the one that dies at 100 shall be counted to be a youth. That's the book of Isaiah. I think it's 66, 65. So, at, if you are 100, you are still a youth. Don't count yourself. There are some people when they are 50, they start working like they are rugged. If you are 100, you are still a youth. There's a man of 100 and something who ran... Uh, marathon. So whenever we have meetings for any group, women group, don't you think it's for women alone? If we have men's group, don't you think it's for men alone? If we have youth convention, don't you think it's for children? It's for everybody. Everybody are children anyway. We are all God's children. And what God deals with in those places are even so deep that will have helped some of you who count yourself not to be part of that group better in your life. Like the unction that we received on Friday, if you are not there, you just didn't get it. Those who got it started manifesting it. Like the things that God taught throughout the week, it would have been better for your marriage. If you are having problems in marriage, if you are in this week, that problem should have been resolved completely. Even you who have children, how to parent your children, all those information were given in this week, which will have helped you. So if you miss it, go get the tape. But I tell you next time, don't miss it. That will be a contravention of God's instruction. Whenever God wants to meet a people, if God announced I'm meeting you, anybody who exempts himself has spited God or spited God. And it's a very serious and severe uh, offense before the Lord. It is an act of irresponsibility before God. What I said teaching you last week stems from the rights and privileges of a child of God. I will spend the next 15 minutes just expanding on that, and then we'll do the thanksgiving for one of the brothers who turned 50. And uh, we're looking at the rights and privileges of God, the children of God. But then I looked at the fact that you are sons of God, and that you are what? 
If you are sons of God, what are you? Good. You are gods. Psalm what? 82. Verse 6. I will read it together, please. Hey, stop. This is... Um, you know, one of the things I told them yesterday, because with one of the competitions we did is skipping. All the group were inside, and then two of us who held the rope, and we skipped. I said, if I talk to you in the morning, and you didn't respond well, I will just send everybody out there with good do skipping. After we skip, we come back. Then you'll be refreshed. Amen? Amen. Really, my group skipped 30 skip. I was a boxer. And we broke the record. All the groups skipped. Uh, the highest one did 19. Amen. I'm sure we are awake now. So, what does that scripture say? Shall we read together? Okay, I return the general quarters back to you. You must be aware that you are God's. And you are sons, because you are sons of the Most High. Because Jesus said, flesh gives by the flesh, spirit gives by the spirit. Now, don't let this get out of your mind. Any Christian who lacks the knowledge that he is God, according to the scripture, that is small letter God, they are the Christians who fear the devil, who fear demons. They fear what God created to fear them. Okay? And whenever there is fear, Satan destroys I would mean now. Confidence is different from boldness. As belief is different from faith. I may believe in you, but I don't have faith in you. Okay? So, if a Christian does not know that he is a God on earth, it will affect the way you reason, the way you behave. Because of that, we cannot behave the way God Almighty will not behave if he was in the flesh. We cannot speak as God Almighty will not speak. We cannot in interact with people or relate with people as God Almighty will not. Because we are gods. Now, I need to refresh your mind on this one just to bring you back to stability before I take you to the three biggest assets of a, of a Christian. Every Christian ought to see visions. Every Christian ought to see trance. Every Christian before physical death ought to go to heaven and encounter heaven. Every Christian before they physically die ought to be able to access the spiritual realm around you. A Christian who does not is sick. Every Christian must speak in tongues. Mark sixteen seventeen. Every Christian must cast out devils. And casting out demons is for baby Christians. So any minister who says a deliverance minister is just a baby Christian. Those who are matured in God have gone beyond casting out devils. They do casting out devils, they cast devils out, but they've gone beyond that. They encounter God. I will gather now. And that is Mark sixteen seventeen. Having said all that, this morning, I want to submit to you that the three greatest assets God gave you, one, faith. 
Write it down. Number two, hope. And number three, holiness. Faith, hope, and holiness. Let me give you summary of this. Next Sunday, we'll go deeper into it. If anybody operates in these three, all what I've said, you will experience it. If you can't experience all these things I've said, it's because you are lacking in one of those three things. Faith, Hebrew 11. I think this, your AC, should be increased to a heat. <laughs> or switch it off. All right? Let's look at faith. You know, people have thought faith is just confession. It's not confession. Confession is not faith, but faith can... Confession is one of the functions. Verse 1, please. It says faith... Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Assurance of hope, certainty of the invincible. Think about it. Assurance of hope, but certainty of invisible. What you do not see, you are sure that it exists. And what you do not see, you are sure that it will take place at your command. What you see does not control your life. Because everything that is visible is under the control of invincibles. You are all on earth today working on earth by the force of gravity. You can see it. If you jump into the water, you will submerge. Loss of flotation, you cannot see it. You are existing right now. Your lungs is working and your heart is working because you are breathing in the air. Show me air. You cannot see it. These things that you cannot see are the most powerful because you can see their effect. So around you are angels as you are sitting here. But you cannot see them. If you go out to the streets, there are several demons as you see several angels. You cannot see them. And the behavior and the manifestation, occurrences, glory, blessing, curses, accidents and all stuff are caused by these invisible forces. Nowadays, there are four. Faith is having assurance of anything that you hope for. Okay? Not only that, but being certain that what is unseen controls what is visible. The word I'm speaking now, you cannot see it. But when I tell a blind to see and he sees, you can see the effect. Yes? If, if I give a word of knowledge here now to somebody, God spoke to me about somebody. Now, you can't see the word I'm speaking, but actually that person is going through that, that situation. Miracle healings happen by the signal of unseen speeches that catalyze and cause physical manifestation to happen. Therefore, understand better, you are God's. Those who control the unseen are God's. Okay? Because we cannot command the unseen and control the unseen if we don't have the attribute of the God who created the unseen. So therefore, faith 
is being sure of hope. So understand that faith without hope is, is worthless. And being certain of what you do not see. Now, the next thing is I told you that people who operate in faith are commended by God. Next verse. This is what the ancient were commended for. Then the next verse. By faith we'll understand that the universe was formed out of God's command so that what is seen was made out of what is what was visible. Alright? So you understand you understand that the first function of faith is knowledge. By faith we understand that is knowledge. Your knowledge of God is the first function of faith. You understand that God created this universe. You don't question it. You don't ask all these questions that you cannot answer. About God. He is God. And it, he, we are, it is by faith we have this knowledge that he created all things. So that what is, what is seen was not made out of what is visible. That is the unseen is what became visible. Okay, Nothing existed before. And then God spoke, and those things happened. If you find it hard to, to understand that, I have spoken here, and God has healed you. You know, no, I'm not praying. I'm saying what has happened to you, isn't it? I have spoken to some people here, but this week, you are going to get a job, and they got a job. I have spoken to some people here, you know, various things, talking to this nation, that this will happen in England on this date, on this date, and it did happen. Globally. I've spoken in the world, this is going to happen at this time, and it happened. So, what I spoke is unseen. But what happened is sin. If it can happen to me and you, and you two have spoken like that, how can't we believe that God is what God is? God is what God is. Because it's not only unto God that the visible have been made from invisible, even unto us who believe in Him. And what is the fact that we only can do it, anybody who does not believe in Jesus cannot do it. Nobody under heaven can do it. There's no magic. The things that we, that we create out of our words, they remain through our life. Magic can bring some gimmicks and then it will vanish. That is magic. But when God speaks and creates, those things remain for evidence. So, if we are able to do those things, if there is no God, who is doing it through us? Then if other people who believe in any other faith or any other religion cannot, then something tells you that Jesus is just the same what it is. He is God himself. He is the one working through us. I love this. If you look at verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice. Number two, inclination of faith is offering your life. If you have faith, you will have the knowledge of God that whatever the Bible says is true. If you have faith, you will offer yourself. Coming to church on Sundays does not offer you to God because God cannot depend on you for his work on earth. If you are the one that God has expects to hold for the church, God will be frustrated because you are nowhere to be found. I would get now. Don't give God keen offer. Give God a bell offer because you die once. That is the theme of the youth convention. Uh, the first day, uh, say it to me again. You only die once. 
That is what they looked at the first day. So because you will only die once, give account of every day of your life. Because you don't know when the death will come, really. People are very healthy and they go home and sleep and not wake up again. You know, when we die, we, 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 we throw our mouths into different shapes. Yes, of sorrow and sadness. But the fact is that anybody who is dead will bury him. And that will be the end of it. For the earthly region. But then his beginning just started. Just started. A, a person who professes to be a Christian and is afraid of death is not born again. Okay? A Christian should want to die. Because that is the only place you can be rewarded. So, but if you are on earth and you are giving king sacrifice, when death knocks your door, you ask God for another chance. You must stop that. Jesus can't go to the streets anymore. He needs you and I to do so. Jesus cannot change what is going on in Britain anymore. He wants you and he expects you and I to do it by praying, by actions. I would together now give God a best sacrifice. He gave everything, not only money. He gave himself first. He gave his life. He gave his time, and he gave his wealth because it's all from God. God gave you your life. He expects you to give him back. He gave you your body. He expects you to preserve it for him and give him back. He gave you your time and he expects you to use it for him. He gave you money. He expects you to give it back to him. That is faith. The next one says, five, by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Why? He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now, relationship. Faith is intimate relationship with God. Knowledge with God. Giving sacrificially. And relationship. Did we see all this? Anybody who is really... Who has a good relationship with God will have encounters. That's what that tells you. And the next verse says, shall we read that together? Stop. When you read the word of my God, read it with life of the God. Hallelujah. Let's read together. Uh-huh. Because. Uh-huh. Now, you see, this is where many miss it too. Because many people believe what they think that faith is. Believe it, claim it, get it. That's not faith. <laughs> I've given you the exponents of faith, and that's a summary of it. It says, without faith, no one can please God. So, if you don't have the knowledge of God, and believe by knowledge that God is what He says He is, and the Bible is what is the true Word of God. If you question that, you cannot please God. If you give God a half sacrifice, you pick and choose what service you come. You don't own God's work. Then you cannot please God. And if you do not work with God, you cannot please God. And it says that this is a comp- component of faith or composition of faith. And without faith, it's impossible for, for to please God, any man to please God. Because anyone who, be- who comes to him must believe that he is, he exists and is he diligently 
He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Now, let me talk about faith, therefore. Haven't understood that knowledge, faith is the knowledge of God and believing that what the Bible says is true. Faith is giving yourself completely unto God for service and with your wealth. Then faith is, you know, relationship with God. You will discover that in behind this analysis about faith is activities. Okay? To have knowledge, you read. You go through a process of conviction and then you believe. That's the activity of, of knowledge. To give unto God, you have choice. And then you're giving unto God, transforming into physical action. Either you're giving Him your tithes and your offering, or you're working to church, you're serving in a group in church, you're going to the streets for evangelism, you're available all the time God needs someone to do something on earth. That is work. Then to have intimate relationship with God, when others are playing the whole of their 24 hours, you bend your knees at least three times a day before God. You wake up in the midnight sometime and you pray. And so God says that you are acting as you confess and then God will begin to visit you, to entrust you with information you call that prophecies. So, therefore, we can conclude, faith without work is dead. Faith must go with work. And now you find the book of James, chapter 2, I read 17 to 24. It says, in the same way, faith by itself, it is not accompanied by action, if not accompanied by action, is dead. That is, King James says, that work is dead. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Yeah, good enough. Good. <laughs> when I read this also all the time, I used to say good enough. Even demons believe that. And shudder. You know the word shudder? That is, they have terrible fear. When you talk about God, demons are afraid. Okay? Godly fear. But they are not born again. Okay? So if you say that, I fear God. Demons do too do. It says, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? You know, Peter, uh, Paul was talking to people who are like today. People who come to church just on Sunday, they don't, they don't have anything to do for God. They don't get involved with the movement of God on earth. God cannot depend upon them concerning the church. The church will, be, will fail and be bankrupt. In the church, they don't give their tithe, they don't give offering, they just treat God anyhow. The only, they, they take God to be, to be a, a, a bee you have to squeeze to death. Give me, 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 give me. And they give nothing. Any family love relationship that is like that will end up in disaster. If one is always on the receiving end, that relationship will always crash eventually. It will be frustrated and it will crash. So with God too, and so, Paul was saying to these people, Was not the ancestors of Abraham, uh, 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 was not our ancestor Abraham, 
considered righteousness for what he did when he offered his son on the altar. Why did God say Abraham was righteous? Because of his giving. That is why God said he's righteous. But then to say, you see, that his faith and his action were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. The scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Galatians 3. And he was called God's friend or the friend of God. You see, that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. So faith without work is dead. That's what I'm going to stop today. I will talk about hope and righteousness and uh, holiness. You know, when I give you the description of holiness, you will see the Bible defines holiness. And it's not what many define it to be. Holiness is not regulation. It's not regulating the church. That's not holiness. That is human regulation. Are you with me now? A state of holiness is a state a man attains when he truly surrenders his life to Christ. It's not a state of sinlessness or no mistake. I will help you see this because my approach to teaching the word of God is that I allow the Bible to answer the Bible. If the Bible answers the Bible, it will be very easy. If you look at the book of First Peter three, First Peter one thirteen, it says, "Therefore, prepare your minds for actions. Be self-controlled." I'm reading the NIV. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. How can we be holy in all we do? Now look at it. It says it. For it is written, be holy as your father is holy. Since you call on the father who judges each man's work impartially, live your life as strangers in this world. All right? Look at Romans 6.22. How do you attain holiness? But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to what? Come on now, church. What is happening to that man? I said Romans 6.22. Shout it together, please. All right, stop, 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 stop. This is general headquarters. Read it now like generals. So holiness is not regulation. It's not how you look. It's not 
what you set yourself to do, carry cross before we are coming in or put the chain cross and stuff. Or walk like somebody who does not communicate in the world. That's not holiness. Holiness is apprenticeship. Mathesis. Being a disciple of Jesus. It says here, but now that you have been set free, which is salvation, from sin, and have become slaves to God by salvation. It says, the benefits you reap leads. So if you work with God all the time, the benefits you reap in your life is what is called holiness. A man who works with God cannot backbite. A, word, a man who works with God cannot stand in the counsel of the wicked. He cannot sit in the seat of scoffers. He has no delight in, in these kind of things, the things you have been doing before. If you read the scripture from, when we, when we preach it, we are reading from um, about six chapter, verses before. And it tells you that when we were in the world, you were slave to sin because of Satan, who was your master. Now that you are in Christ, that's what he's saying now. You should be slave to God. You are slave to God, but you should remain slave to God. If you remain slave to God, that is, anything you want to do, you, you put God in your contemplation, you will not make mistakes as to become wicked before God. Friends you keep, if they are not friends of God, then they are enemies of God. You cannot say you love God and you, you keep his enemies as friends. Are we talking together? They are talking you're blasphemy against God and you two are laughing. No, 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 no. You can't love God and they, they, if they derogate, if, if they are fighting the person you love, you fight. You don't walk away from it. You must shut their mouth. That once we eat those mouths you are speaking with. You don't, you don't mess up my God in my presence. Neither will you yourself use God in a joke. I want all of you to listen to me attentively. Leadership. Listen to me. When you joke, don't use God. In any joke. Are you with me now? Don't use the Bible in any joke. If you use the Bible in any joke, then use God. That is, anything that can derogate or you can degrade who he is. Never. What you cannot use your father for, don't use God for it. Even if you are so rude to your father that you can use your father and wash him on the ground. Don't wash God on the ground because every act of such you will be punished without mercy. Whenever God's people or yeah, contempt the name of God, there must be a retribute by the devil. Whereas when the ungodly use his name vainly, God won't punish them. Demons won't punish them because they don't know. But when a person who knows, you know, blaspheme, I know. My God must be honored. Don't you see Muslims, they kill people because of the knowledge of what they believe about their God. Say, he touched my God, they behead him. He touched my God, he shot his head. If Muslims can do that to the God that is no God, why would Christians not recognize that the Yahweh is to be feared? Don't let Satan set trap for you. People are joking. They name, call the name of God or use Holy Spirit or use uh, Jesus or use the Bible. Don't joke with it. If you want to crack joke, joke 
some, some other jokes. And also Christians must be very careful to joke you joke. Don't lie in joking. Because you commit lie. You understand? We can say crack jokes without lying. Telling it a story that was written, yeah, it's good. Alright? We mustn't try to be funny. It's not a good thing to try to be funny. But when you are speaking and it's funny, it's just funny to people. Because if you try to be funny, sometimes you get into a lot of sins. I would get that now. But sometimes people just laugh. Like when I, when I told this, all these youths, when I came to England, I came with one portmanteau. All of them are smiling, laughing that apostle has come, one portmanteau. What is portmanteau? You don't know portmanteau. May God not let you know it. Because your generation don't know that it is Tinker that will build the portmanteau we carry. You go to uh, 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 Dabenhams and all these big stores and you, you bought formato, they, they manufacture with leather and they manufacture with uh, our own. It is iron ore. You go to Tinker, you will put the formato together and they give you, you, you put your school book there. You carry the day, you fall to pieces, God bless you up. You go and get another one. They put, you know. And then when you are traveling, you go and carry formato to Bodenhams. It is thing. Can they use it? The can that they use in drinking milk. That's what they use in doing our portmanteau. Hallelujah, somebody. I remember when I used to wear some, they were doing um, these uh, slippers. That slippers, all the tires that got uh, destroyed on the road, they go and cut the tire. They will cut the tire and out of it they make slippers. Those days are gone forever. <laughs> Globalization had eradicated them. You know, let's be very, very careful with the Lord. All right? We have been made holy by the blood of the Lamb. That is holiness by default of salvation. But if you are given a white garment, you are supposed to get away from debts so that your white garment will not be stained. And that is this act of holiness. That you will stick to the word of God fully. You will not allow anything to make you contrary to what God is. And if you make a mistake, you go on your knees and beg for mercy. Don't postpone it till the following day. That is holiness. We'll talk more about this by next week. So we shall rise up together. We are going to pray strength for ourselves. That the Holy Spirit will strengthen us in our Christian journey. Let's just begin to pray that Father give us strength in this our Christian journey. Guide also, Father, by the power of your Spirit. He says, I will send my angel ahead of you to protect you. So let's ask God to guide us and protect us. The Lord should guide our hearts and minds so that we will obey God in everything we do. That is a righteous man. A righteous man seeks to obey God all his life. Father, help us. Let us ask God to mature our inner man. Thank you, Father God. 